Well, my point of view is that technology is the business. Technology is the front door for advisors to work with the custodian. So in Schwab's case, Schwab Advisor Center is really the front door for our advisors to work with Schwab. And when I think about charging fees for technology, I think, well, technology has to be part of the package because it's required to do business. When Lauren Wilkinson joined Charles Schwab almost 14 years ago, their RIA assets were only $500 million. This year, they're well on their way to hitting $2 trillion at Schwab Advisor Services, and technology has played a major role in that growth. I asked Lauren about the latest on the TD Ameritrade acquisition, increases that Schwab is seeing in digital adoption, how their new Portfolio Center software reached the 1,000 user milestone, and a whole lot more on this episode of the Wealth Management Today podcast. Thanks for joining me here in the wonderful world of wealth tech. I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, and I run a consulting firm called Ezra Group. We're experts in everything related to wealth tech. We deliver growth-oriented solutions to banks, broker-dealers, asset managers, and their technology providers through our advice and research. On this podcast, I speak with some of the smartest people in the industry who are on the leading edge of both technology and innovation. Please subscribe uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review on iTunes and share this episode on your social media networks. And I'm happy to present my guest for this episode of the Wealth Management Today podcast. I have Lauren Wilkinson, VP of Digital Advisor Experience for Schwab Advisor Services. Good morning, Lauren. Good morning, Craig. Great to be here. It's great to have you here on the podcast. Um, I'm really happy you could make it. I know you have a very busy schedule. I'm glad we could we could squeeze into uh, the time that you have. And it's been a long time since we last saw each other back at the T3 Advisor Conference in February, almost like a whole another world ago. I know. Wait, but before all of the shelter in place and concerns about COVID hit. It definitely felt like a different lifetime ago, even though it was just a few months. Just a few months and a whole nother world. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, we were talking back then and we, we did a, a podcast back then, but you were with a bunch of other people. Uh, so now you get this all to yourself. So it's just you, which is, which I think is great. So we can kind of <laughs> dive into more, get a little more detail on some, on some things. I know there's been a lot going on. And one thing I wanted to jump into right away was the TD Ameritrade acquisition, which was approved last month. Do you have any updates on that? Yeah, so we are very pleased by the Department of Justice's decision and appreciate their very thorough and diligent review of the transaction. We're very pleased to have cleared this important milestone. And the other big milestone that happened last month was unanimous approval by the stockholders of both companies, um, both Schwab and TD Ameritrade. So Really pleased by those accomplishments. Um, we continue to expect that the transaction will close completely within the second half of this year. Um, and then once the transaction closes, the integration will is expected to take between 18 and 36 months uh, to complete following the close. So really looking forward to that. And as far as the technology, I personally am very excited about the opportunities this brings with technology. 
Um, our commitment to advisors is to really bring the best of both worlds on the technology that the, of the technology that both Schwab and TD provide. And as I shared at T3, uh, when we were there together, we have made a pledge to advisors to provide best in class open architecture technology, including a constant and rapidly growing network of third party providers. So uh, we're very committed to this space. Yeah, I think the, the last part, the commitment to best in class technology is important to advisors. And it's, it's, it's interesting as I've watched Schwab's changes to technology, how you've, you've navigated things very differently from other firms. Uh, you know, when you sold Portfolio Center to InvestNet, then launched Portfolio Connect, you know, it seems like you're, you're really changing how you approach the technology space. Is that, would you agree with that? Is that, or is that something that you're, you, you, that you're moving in the same direction or is, it, is there something else happening that I'm missing? Well, our strategy um, for technology is really to, it's really twofold. So first of all, to provide best in class custodial technology and that's our Schwab Advisor Center and everything we have there. Um, and that does include, you know, portfolio management capabilities with Portfolio Connect. I mean, we're going to talk a little bit about that in more detail later. Um, and then the other big pillar is deep and growing integration with third-party providers. So I do think, you know, as you alluded to, our decision on Portfolio Center really represented that strategy. We wanted to focus on Schwab custody, and, and we really wanted to create something different with Portfolio Connect. Mm. You know, a, a Schwab-only solution, lighter weight, simpler, uh, really targeted towards smaller advisors. And then we're deepening our partnerships with third-party providers for advisors who need mm. multi-custodial, more complex portfolio management systems. So the third-party connections, that's becoming more and more uh, important. I know a lot of our customers, uh, there seems to be a lot of problems, and, and you know, vendors tend to overpromise when it comes to connections. And I know one of the strengths of TD Ameritrade was their integration center. Is that something that's gonna continue? I guess it'll be rebranded as a Schwab integration center. We are very committed to third-party providers and continuing to grow that network. Um, I, we're in the planning stages right now of exactly you know, what this is gonna look like once TD and Schwab come together. But certainly the goal is to bring the best of both worlds. Um, our integration providers here at Schwab have been expanding extensively over the last year. We're now at over 150 providers of third, third parties that we're integrated with. And over the last uh, year, year to date, we've seen a 100% increase in API calls. So the usage is very high. Um, and right now, this quarter, we're seeing, and actually it's been pretty much all year, we've seen record level of engagement from third party providers who are actively building out connections. Right now we have 41 active projects in the pipeline with providers who are, um, you know, building out those integrations using our APIs. So I would say we're definitely all in on that space and we're still in the planning stages of exactly what are the overlaps with TD? How are we going to bring this whole thing together? But I can certainly assure advisors that we're very and the fintech community that we're very committed to this yeah, that's great and that that number you threw out the 100 percent increase in the api calls you know i just did a podcast a couple weeks ago about the uh, about the api economy it was with uh, brian ross from fixed flyer mm. so order management systems trade order management and talking about how they're building out api so it's really becoming 
something that you it's table stakes for any firm and because it's becoming easier what we're seeing is more companies are taking it upon themselves to build their own interfaces and then connect to the apis in the back end is that something you're seeing as well yeah we definitely have advisors who are building their own interfaces with schwab we have and we do we work with them we provide direct api access to schwab um, we have a number of them who've created very sophisticated workflows, for example, within their CRM um, and are doing things like moving money, opening accounts directly from their custom built CRM. I would say one of our big strategies with integration over the last couple of years has been to move to from more view only data. You know, when, when we first started integrations, it was a lot of views, like being able to see Schwab balances and alerts and stuff like that. And the, the transition we've made or the addition that we've made over the last year or two has been to focus on transactions as well. So now you can move money from a third party system. You can change an address from a third party system. Uh, you can open an account directly from a third party system. You know, we're going to continue to move more in that direction. And we actually have a services first approach here at Schwab where when we encounter, when we embark on any new feature, development for Schwab Advisor Center, we don't just make it on Schwab Advisor Center, we create it as an API. And then that API is used by Schwab Advisor Center, which is our website, and at the same time made available to third parties for their consumption. Yeah, that's really the, that seems a bit the best way to go. And it, it, you know, 10 years ago, or even five years ago, that was not the standard. Firms would keep their API separate from their internal development, as opposed to uh, what a lot of firms call eating your own dog food by building the APIs and using them yourself for your own systems. Mm -hmm. That way you know they work. Yeah. And then, offer, then opening them up to third parties when it's ready and secure and such. So I, I think that's really the best way to go. Yeah. Hey, one other thing I wanted to mention back on TD for a minute is one example of a decision we've already made around bringing the best of these technologies together is iRebal. I mean, iRebal is just a fantastic product that's offered by TD um, that provides rebalancing capabilities. You know, that one was just straight away. We see the value, uh, provides great value. The more I learn about it, the more impressed I am with that product. So that's one where we've already made the decision and we publicly announced we're planning to include iRebal in the new platform. Um, but that's just kind of an example of the way we're thinking that you know, certainly not the only piece of TD that we're planning to bring over. Yeah, and I, and I get it. I mean, people are never happy with change uh, or happy when things go away that they were using, whatever it is. And I'm happy to hear about mm -hmm. iRebal. I, I followed it a long time and portfolio rebalancing tools are something we're experts in. I've written a lot about that, uh, about different tools and, and about iRebal specifically. So I'm glad you're keeping it. Will that be integrated? And we, we keep jumping ahead. We agree to talk about Portfolio Connect later. <laughs> we keep jumping to it. So iRebal will be integrated into Portfolio Connect or is it just going to be, is it gonna be will, it, will it be part of it? or just a, a connection to it? Uh, too early to determine exactly how these things are going to work together. But, you know, we're, mm -hmm. we're looking at the strategy for all of that right now. Yeah, I'm glad you're keeping it because it's, it's really, it's a great, it's a great tool. And there's, you know, and I know TD invested a lot in it since they bought it, I think 2007. Mm -hmm. so, uh, it's really become a, a great, a great tool for that. Uh, so moving off uh, of TD onto the next uh, topic, we want to talk about how things have changed with the crisis and one of the things that changes is the Schwab Impact Conference is going online. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so we have made the decision to, for this year for Impact to be a virtual experience, really with the goal of keeping everyone's health and safety in mind with everything going on 
uh, with the concerns around COVID. You know, I'll say this was definitely a tough decision because uh, we, we all love the in-person interactions. I mean, at Schwab, we're very much a people company. I'm a people person. We, we love being in person with our clients and our colleagues, but you know, really felt like this was the safest decision for all involved. And we are in the process now of developing a virtual agenda. Uh, personally, I'm really excited to see, to see the opportunities this is gonna bring for us to bring uh, influential speakers, best in class intellectual capital and so forth uh, we certainly are going to do our best to to keep up the you know the the spirit of impact and the high quality uh, that it's known for in terms of bringing advisors together with top influencers in the industry and also with each other so that's our goal um it's also our 30th year of impact this year which is kind of hard to believe i i personally yeah, i've been going to impact uh, for 12 years now, and this will definitely be a fun experience for us to go through in the fall. So one thing you mentioned about Schwab Impact is advisors like to go to connect with people. So with virtual, obviously, you, this, the connection is, is a little bit harder. Mm -hmm. And especially with thousands of advisors, when you're at the conference, that can all mill around and interact on their own. Is there any way you're going to be allowing that kind of interaction directly between advisors and vendors, advisors and advisors through of the virtual um, set up? Yeah, our events team is being as creative as they possibly can uh, on that. And um, and actually, this decision to go virtual with our events was actually a decision we made for all of the events for this year. And we, we held our first virtual mm -hmm. event called Explore just in the last month. Uh, and I would say it was a really good learning ground for us. Um, overall, the feedback that we received from participants was that it was very positive. They did miss being in person. Um, and I think you know, being virtual, sometimes you're tempted to multitask and get distracted a little bit. So they did miss being in person, but overall had very positive feedback around the, the content and um, some of the things we were able to do. So, for example, we had some virtual small group sessions um, that people could network in smaller sessions. So that's what we did in this first event. And we have another one coming up called Solutions. Uh, this summer that's more focused on operational issues and, and technology. So that'll be another learning experience. So I think by the time we get to impact, we'll have some really good experience on this. But the goal is to try to create as much of that close-knit feel with small group opportunities as possible in a virtual environment. It's tough. It's tough. And, and there's a lot, a lot of new technologies coming out. You know, Zoom, we're on Zoom now, but uh, Zoom isn't the only uh, game in town. There's lots of new tools, and we're, we're, we're testing out a bunch of them now that give other opportunities and allow people to do different things and present different ways virtually. So I think that that's a, a really an exploding field. I'm going to take a break from this episode, talk about one of my favorite sponsors, the Invest in Others Foundation. Invest in Others recognizes individual advisors and firms that are making a difference by donating their time and money to causes they care about. By sharing their stories and awarding funding to these organizations, Invest in Others builds critical visibility, encourages others to get involved, and channels additional resources to those in need uh, by highlighting the important work being championed by the financial services community. The Invest in Others Foundation has been around for 12 years. Uh, I've only been uh, working with them for, the, I think, three years now. Uh, really great stuff, lots of interesting projects, not only in the U.S., but all over the world. Uh, I would uh, recommend everyone please go to invest 
www.thinkinothers.org. Uh, check out what they're doing. Make a donation. Uh, get your employer to match it if they can. Uh, and see how you can get involved. They're going to be opening up their nominations for advisors who are working with charities. And you should nominate an advisor you know to see if they can uh, get some funding for their charity. I'm on a couple of the judging committees. And I'll tell you, one charity seems more worthy than the next. It's really hard to pick. So any money you give is going to go to a good cause uh, somewhere in the U.S., somewhere around the world. It's a great way to help uh, a lot of people. So please go to theinvestinothers.org and make a donation today. So let's move on to what we keep uh, alluding to is Portfolio Connect. <laughs> so I saw an article uh, that Portfolio Connect had surpassed 1,000 users. Congratulations. Thank you. That's, that's, a big, that's a big step. And I saw a demo of it. And I really like how you put it together and it's, it seems very modern looking and you know, intuitive. Can you talk about how you created it? And, you know, cause you, you built it from scratch and, and what was the, the kind of guiding principles around mm -hmm. how you, you designed the look and feel of, of Portfolio Connect? So our objective with Portfolio Connect was really to create a different offer in the marketplace. When we took a look at the portfolio management options, there are so many great options provided by the fintech community. Um, you can advisors can find a variety of different portfolio management systems at many different price points in the market. So when we took a look at that, we thought, well, how can we create something that's uh, maybe fills a different niche in the market? And so what we identified as an unfilled opportunity was a simplified single custodian system. And so that's what we created with Portfolio Connect. And we had quite a lot of experience with Portfolio Center, having managed that product for 20 years. And so what we did when we came up with the design was we looked at what are the most popular features of Portfolio Center. And those most popular features are what we brought to the front of Portfolio Connect. Um, it's a simplified system, it's Schwab only, and because it's Schwab only, we have the data. Advisors don't have to do downloading and reconciliation, um, which is you frequently have to do with a multi-custodial system. That saves advisors hours of time every week, just yeah. having the data right there. So because it's all Schwab data, the, we can have it right there. Instead of having advisors set up and customize their own reports, what we did was take the best in breed reports from that we knew from portfolio center that were the most popular and we made those just available right there on the screen at the click of you know at the click of a button you just you get the most popular report and we made it free so the system is is simplified single custodian and free really designed for smaller advisors who are getting started just starting their businesses for these smaller advisors it it saves them tens of thousands of dollars in portfolio management software. Now, what we found is once advisors grow to a certain size, frequently they do need more customization, more ability to edit the views and the reports, often go multi-custodial. Our, our intent with Portfolio Connect is not to go there. We're not trying to compete with, with a third-party multi-custodial system. And in fact, uh, it fits our strategy very well because we have very strong partnerships with those third-party providers. And so, for advisors who do have more complex multi-custodial needs, they can take advantage of our third-party integrations. 
Yeah, uh, it's a, it seems like it's designed that way and, and really focusing on, as you said, what the advisors are looking for the most. And I know it's it really, it covers performance billing and reporting. And hopefully I rebound, I get plugged in there. I'm, I'm got my fingers crossed mm-hmm. that it'll also do portfolio rebalancing. And then it becomes a, a, a more of an end-to-end solution. I and mean, we, we just wrote an article, uh, published an article on my blog. Uh, we called it 47 Portfolio Management Systems Can't All Survive. So there's there was 47 portfolio management systems on the mm. market in wealth management. And actually, after I published the article, two more contacted me. You forgot us. So there's really 49 or 50. Uh, I think I got the 50 <laughs> uh, afterwards. And yeah, as you said, there's, there's a lot of solutions for advisors uh, of different sizes and different scopes and of different needs. So having something that's simplified for a very, a very targeted market, which is the smaller to mid-sized firms, f- fills a really, fills a good gap, I think. So it's... And it's something that will also, you, you know, again, there's a lot of also comp- uh, competition in custodians, right? So you need to find differentiation as well. So I think having this type of product that really focuses on a specific niche of advisors is a, is a good thing. Yeah. It's, and it's been really fun to work with these entrepreneurs. A lot of the folks using Portfolio Connect are just starting their businesses and, and just getting going and having something out of the box that they can use right away and, and get going and running their business. You know, they've told us is just extremely helpful as they get started. Yeah, and that's not one of the hardest things when you're a small advisor and you're just starting out is getting your technology solution together. So having something simplified that's seamless, as you said, doesn't require recon, uh, it's all in one, helps them. They can focus on other areas like client service and growing their business. Are there any other new things coming down the pike? Can you share any part of the roadmap for Portfolio Connect in the next six to 12 months? Well, so the one thing that that has come up with Portfolio Connect is while we did design it for smaller advisors and and currently that's really the user base that's using it. Our average AUM is a little under 50 million. But while, while we did design it for that segment, we are hearing more interest from some larger advisors who are willing to explore a, simplif- a more simplified approach for uh, in exchange for the efficiencies that it provides. So um, to that end, we have been, we, we've seen the interest and we have been exploring some things that might help with those larger advisors, certainly not in the realm. Like I said, we're not planning to go multi-custodial or make this a, you know, add a lot of customizations or anything like that. But there are some things like a data export. That's something that we just recently had is the ability to export all the data so that if you wanted to do your own manipulation of the data, you can do that. Another thing that we're working on right now is tighter user management so that if you're, as you grow, as firms grow and they have more employees in the firm, they might want to segregate access to who can see what account. So that's another thing that we've been working on. And one of the things we rolled out earlier in this year, which I'm particularly excited about, is firm management views. So if you're a business owner, you know, if you're the the owner of the firm, you can log in and see firm metrics like overall firm AUM, extended income based on the billing calculations that we do, transaction history, net flows, things like that. So it's been a really exciting feature as well. So we're, we're still planning to keep it within the simplified Schwab only container, but for those larger firms that are interested in the efficiency that this model can provide, we've been working on some things that will make it a little more workable for them. I'd like to see that. Every, everyone, I find there's no one size fits all. There's no one solution for small firms. There's no one solution for large firms. 
you know, we, we do a lot of research at Ezra Group on, on different products and services for clients. And we were talking to a bunch of advisors, advisory firms about a product that our client, who was a fintech, really thought was a small firm solution. And when we started talking to firms, we also we threw in some large ones just to, to have a, a, a comparison and they were interested too. So it really, it really shocked the client that they were, that they were interested because it's, as I said this, there's some of the things you might think are only for one size of advisory firm could work in others because every, every advisory firm is different and they all have different ways of doing it. Yeah, things. definitely. But it's really a change from how other firms, so if you compare yourself to Fidelity, where they're doing sort of the opposite, they're building a hugely encompassing, fully functional, you know, lots of uh, options and, 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 and systems in their platform, whereas you're really focusing a very small and, 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 and simplified. So do, do you see that as being a, a differentiator for Schwab versus Fidelity or Pershing? I think it probably is. I mean, I, I think for us, we're trying to be very focused on the investments that we make and, and really be best of breed in, the, in our sweet spot, which is being the best custodian. Um, so that's where we're focused and, and, and using heavily investing in our third-party relationships for more sophisticated technology needs, particularly multi-custodial type technology needs. So that, that, is, um, that has been very much our focus is create the best in breed custodial website with Schwab Advisor Center, um, including portfolio management capabilities. And we also have our automated investing solution, et cetera. And then, you know, really go deep and broad with third-party integration. So one question I, I always wanted to ask and I, that comes up a lot is that every custodian has technology and most of them give it away for free. And it seems as though it's something that, you know, the, the custody is obviously paying for it. So the technology is not a lost leader, but is this, it's something you kind of have to have. But will there become a point where you have to charge for technology? Because, you know, custody, the price of custody is, is going down. You know, there's no, there's no ticket charges. There's fewer charges for custody. And once that goes to completely free, then there still needs to be some way to make money. So do you, do you ever see yourself charging for technology or is that something that's always going to be free? We certainly don't currently have plans to, to do any of charging for any of our technology uh, that we offer currently. Yeah, not, you, I mean, I mean studies in general, but how, how much stuff can we give yeah. away um, in order to attract them to our services, right? Because that's what it is. You're giving stuff for free. I mean, so you're not making any money from it, but you're expecting to make it back on the, on the custody. So all custodians do it. It's not, this is right. the Schwab question. Let's change to a broad industry question. How long can custodians give things for free in exchange for coming and using their services that you're charging for? At what point does it become, well, we can't do that anymore because it's not cost effective? Well, my point of view is that technology is the business. Technology is the front door for advisors to work with the custodian. So in Schwab's case, Schwab Advisor Center is really the front door for our advisors to work with Schwab or whether they're coming through Shop Advisor Center or a third-party integration, but that's really their entryway into working with Schwab. So I, when I think about um, charging fees for technology, I think, well, technology has to be part of the package because it's required to do business. So before we go, I wanted to touch, we, we, were, we were going through the list of things we want to talk about. And one thing that's on top of mind is improving diversity. And uh, I, didn't want to, I didn't want to forget to talk about that. So can, can you talk a little bit about your thoughts on improving diversity in wealth management? 
Yeah, well, I think certainly with everything going on in our environment and all the social uh, unrest and the issues that that have, the national dialogue that's been going on with diversity, it's definitely been top of mind for advisors. So in our in Schwab's conversations with advisors, we've heard this a lot that advisors themselves are thinking about how do they improve diversity within their own businesses. Um, and Schwab recently co-sponsored a a research study with the CFP board around this. And uh, what we found was that only three and a half percent of CFPs are African-American or Latino. So very low percentage. When you compare that to the national numbers, when we look at national numbers, 43% of millennials are non-white. I know we talked about that a little bit in our podcast back at T3. So when you compare these numbers and then when even among RIAs, within RIA populations, only 12% of RIAs are non-white. So there's definitely an imbalance of, you know, diversity in our profession relative to the clients that we're trying to serve, you know, within the RIA industry. So I know this has been top of mind for advisors. Uh, I just, you know, I wanted to uh, certainly recognize that we at Schwab are um, very aware of this, you know, and we're uh, working with advisors to help identify action plans for how they can uh, improve diversity, but it, it just felt like with everything going on in the national dialogue, it'd be remiss to to not mention it at all. I agree. I'm glad we, we covered it, and I think we're out of time now. And I'm, I think we got to almost everything we talked we uh, we wanted to. So yay us! Uh, thanks so much, uh, Lauren Wilkinson. Appreciate you being here, and looking forward to the next time you're on the program and hearing more about the, all the great things you guys are doing over at Schwab Advisor Services. All right. Well, thank you, Craig. It was great to be here. Hey, it's Craig again, and I hope you got a lot out of this episode of the podcast with Lauren Wilkinson. I really enjoyed digging deep into how different custodians are seeing the market and how they're approaching it. Uh, I'm very interested in how APIs are working and, and third-party providers. The fact that they've got 150 different integrations, API calls, I think is tremendous. Uh, it's really changing the way companies uh, build their products and integrate with different providers, whether the custodians or portfolio management systems, or CRMs, or any part of their platform. Uh, always interested in hearing how there increases in digital adoption. Uh, we all, we've all seen that through the COVID crisis, how digital has really changed. And finally, how technology is, is really a core aspect of their product. And uh, they're never going to charge for it, which is great to hear. Uh, and how Schwab is really moving forward and bringing technology to the forefront of the advisor experience. Uh, please remember to subscribe to this podcast so you get you don't miss an episode wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share this episode uh, far and wide on your social media. We really appreciate it. And I'll talk to everyone again next time.